Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Uh, This is Father's Day, and it's a very special day. And many of you know that I was raised by my father, so I could say a whole lot of things uh, today about a father. Uh, Today I want to talk about a father's legacy. A father's legacy. Now, I mind you that I am mindful that when you say fathers, that can be a painful statement to many people. But today it is my prayer as we delve into these truths about fathers that God would release the healing bomb into your life because you need a father. Well, let me put it this way. You need a father figure. And if your biological father steps out, you need somebody to step in because you need a father. The reason you need a father is because fatherhood is God's idea. As a matter of fact, God established fatherhood before he established motherhood. Can somebody say amen to this truth? So go ahead. They call me the nugget preacher. I don't want to change it today. And uh, go ahead and put up nugget number one, and we'll go through on the way through to nugget number four, and then I'll share what I believe God has placed upon my heart as brief as I possibly can. Nugget number one, please. Hallelujah. Get our, is it, is it up there? Okay. Praise God. I was looking for it on the screen. Uh, they changed it up on me. Ready? Read. Would all the fathers please stand? Would all the male species please stand? Ready, read. Now, the reason I ask some of the younger men to stand who are not fathers yet, if the Lord tarries one day, they're going to be a father. No, you didn't catch me. One day they're going to be a father, not have a baby. The animal kingdom does that. Fatherhood is a whole different ballgame. Fatherhood means you stayed. Fatherhood means that even if you made a mistake, uh, you sent your child support every month. And you didn't need the government to make you do it. Okay. Read it again. Read it again. Your legacy is your last gift to those who you love. That's why as men, as males, as fathers, we don't have time to have girlfriends on the side because that messes with our legacy. We don't have time not working. Why? That messes with our legacy. We we don't have time to be pretty boys and players and, and being cute with the girls. Why? That messes with our legacy. 
And every one of us, including myself, no matter how cute you think you are, you only got a a lot of amount of time to get it together. You better look at me. Because at one time in your life, you had a head full of hair. But I'm testifying to you today, physically testifying, that every day things are changing. Are you listening to me? So you don't have time as a father. You don't have time as a man to waste your time. Because wasting time will mess with your legacy. And you cannot die until you leave your children and your children's children something in the earth. And you cannot do that playing with your life. It's against the law for you as a father to die and leave nothing to your family. That will mess with your legacy. So as a father, you have to make money. You have to know how money works. You have to enlighten yourself and become knowledgeable about investing in good investments so that you can leave a legacy. When you die, you have to have life insurance. Because to die without life insurance will mess with your legacy with your family. So you don't have time as a father to be cute. Oh, you're listening to me. You got to make some money. Can I get an amen from the sisters? You got to make some money. You've got to make some decisions in life that will leave your family financially stable better than it was amen, when you started the run or the race. It's your legacy. And your last legacy is the gift that you will leave to your family when you exit from this life. Now, my question is, before you sit down, is your last legacy going to be what you wanted to be? And if not, God has allowed you to hear this message, and he's only allowed you to hear it because there is still enough time. Come on, somebody. God would not allow you to hear this message this morning if you didn't have enough time. Because if you don't have enough time to respond to this message, then it's no use in you hearing this message. For the mere fact God has allowed you to hear this message, you have enough time to get it together. To make sure that your last legacy, the last thing that you leave, will make an impact for your family, for your children. Ladies, would you put your hands together and thank God for these fathers. You may be seated. Nugget number two. Ready? Read. Read it again. Fathers, 
God's blessings will rest on a man. A man who pleases God in the way that he lives. It's a promise from God. That if you live a life that is pleasing in his sight, God promised that his blessings would rest on you and your house. Nugget number three. Your family is your future. And I put in parentheses children. Your children is your future. Are you listening to me? Everything you have, you're going to leave to your children when you die. Down to your socks and your shoes. Everything you have, you are going to leave to your children. Nugget number four. Children do so much better on every level of life when they have fathers around. One person got it. Let's read it again. Maybe a couple more people catch it. Ready? Read. Children, so much better. What I am saying with this nugget, fathers, is that just having you around makes a difference. That's why Satan works over time to try to make sure you're not around. Because just your presence makes a difference. Not only in our natural homes, our own individual homes, but it makes a difference in the house of God. Just having men. Women love it when they're men in the house of God. Women love it and children love it when daddy's in the house. Oh, Jesus. In our society today, wise men are easily confused with wise guys. And there's a difference. When you see a married man messing with somebody else or a man that's not married but is messing with everybody else, they're only demonstrating to you that they are being foolish with their legacy. Ooh, Jesus. A, a legacy. The Webster Dictionary defines a legacy as something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from the past. So that means all of us who are here today, whose parents have transitioned, they not only transitioned, but they left a legacy. And for some of us, some of the demons that we are facing and battling with in our lives are the demons and the devils and the shortcomings and the challenges that our parents didn't get victory over. And so uh, we can grow up and say, uh, I'm not going to be like him. We'll say him because it's Father's Day. I don't care what happened. I'm not going to be like my father. I, he, he wasn't this and he wasn't that. Only to grow up and to demonstrate some of the same challenges, the same shortcomings 
as the father. Because Satan is committed in making sure that your legacy doesn't propel your family onto better things, but that your legacy will hold them neutral or his other goal is to try to make sure whatever you leave behind takes the family backwards. Can somebody say amen? Go to Proverbs, and this will be the only chapter and verse that I'll use today. Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. Thank you all for coming today. Uh, it rained out a little, little before we came in. Well, some of us are already in, but I want to thank God for the rain. It cooled some things off. Hallelujah. It was, it was uh, getting, uh, yeah, yeah, just, just getting hot. Aren't you glad you're going to heaven? <laughs> Won't be no rain down there. <laughs> in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. I don't think it's me. Proverbs chapter 13. Good to have my help back in the main edifice. Proverbs chapter 13. Look at verse 22. Are you all there? This is all we'll look at today. Look what it says. A good man. What kind of man? A good man. How many want to know about a good man? Amen. How many you got a good man? And I close my eyes on that, huh? <laughs> How many want a good man? How many you believe in God for a good man? Glory to God. That closed my eyes on that one. But look what the Bible says. Because, ladies, if you're not married, you don't have to shoot in the dark about I'm believing God for a good man. The Bible is clear on some of the characteristics and attributes of a good man. Look what it says. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children. Does it go on? A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So that means a good man, when he dies, what he leaves behind will bless his children and his children's children. Which lets us know that we don't live unto ourselves. That there, listen, oh God, that there is something about your life that God wants to have an effect on your children and your grandchildren that are not even born. God wants to do something in your lifetime that will have an impact for the next and the next generation. God wants to do something in and through your life's fathers that will have a positive impact on your children and your grandchildren. Oh, Jesus. You may be the one where the assignment has been assigned that God will use you to snatch your family out of poverty and lack. So that your children will grow up in an environment that is not lacking, that is not insufficient. So that your children will have a different mindset and pass that mindset on to your grandchildren. They don't hear me today. But I was raised in a shack. 
I was raised from the time that I was born until I found my father dead at 17 years old when I came home from basketball practice. In the house that I was raised in, we never had running water. We never had electricity. And I was raised from the time I was born to 17 years old on an outhouse. I cut wood and gathered kindling all of my developmental years. I dug worms out of the ground and took it to the bake store so that I could get a little money so that I could get a slice of bologna and some crackers and cheese so that I could eat because I was hungry. I went to school from the kindergarten, the first grade, the second grade, the third grade, the fourth grade, the fifth grade, and the sixth grade with holes in my shoes and kids made fun of me. I went to school not taking a bath. Yes, your pastor, the man you're looking at today. I went to school every day and many times and months at a time I did not take a bath because we did not have running water. And I would take the grease from the bacon, the Joe Bacon. Now, y'all don't know about the Joe Bacon, but back in the day, the bacon was about this thick. And you cook one slice and you get three gallons of grease. And the parents didn't throw it away. They put it in a can. And every morning after I would wash, wash my face in this dirty water with an old rag with ivory soap, the same water for the whole week, I dipped my little finger in the can of the grease and rubbed it together until it melted in my hand and put it on my face and in my hair. I guess my daddy thought that if you shine, it's an it's a indication that you're clean. And on a day like it was, it was hot yesterday, wasn't it? And it was even hotter than that the day before. Well, sitting in the classroom like that as a little child, and it's hot in the classroom, something starts to cook. And the kids around me would say, something smells like uh, Joe Bacon. And I knew it was me. And kids can be cruel. Are you listening to me? Coming home many times and my daddy's gone in that old shack when it was raining like it was raining today. As a little boy, I would have to put cans out to catch the rain in the shack. But one of the things that my daddy taught me before he died or before I found him dead. From a little boy, my daddy taught me how to work hard and to be honest. And so before his health failed, he was a cement finisher, putting sidewalks in and working on chimneys. And I would be out there as a little boy trying to mix the cement. Uh, he wasn't mixing it much, but, but I was trying to get involved. And he was teaching me how to work. And I never forget he would always tell me that you're no better than your word. I didn't know what that meant. Later on, I come to discover what he was saying, that whatever you say, you got to do it. And today, I am still that way. And e hear my point. Even though we were poor and I grew up in poverty, he did leave me a legacy. He left me a legacy to pray. He taught me how to get on my knees as a little boy and say a prayer on the side of the bed. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I learned that prayer from my father. Yeah. 
And here today, in a few more days, I will be 68 years old and I still get on my knees on the side of the bed and cry out to the God that my father introduced me to. That's his legacy. Because the greatest legacy that you can leave your children is not houses, money, or land. But the greatest legacy, fathers, that you can leave your family is a knowledge about the God of heaven and the God of earth. I thank God he made me go to church. Every Sunday. Same shirt. Same dirt around the ring of the collar of the shirt. But he was establishing something in my life that had to do with what I'm called to do today. And I say today, standing here on Father's Day, that without my father, with all the things that he didn't give me, I thank God for the things that he did give me. One of the things that he gave me, he taught me how to be a man. A strong man, a man that can stand flat-footed and look any other man in the eye and not bow down. I got a strength from my daddy because fathers are a stabilizing force in a child's life. My father wasn't scared, so I didn't learn how to be scared. My daddy could fight, so I learned how to fight. My daddy didn't run, so I don't run. I got that from Mr. Jonesy, my father. If you say something, you got to do it, son, because your word is your bond, and you're no better than your word. God's blessings rest on those who please him. So a good father must make decisions that create long-term success for his children. So at 21 years old, coming home from Vietnam, I bought my first house. And the reason I bought my house is because being raised with my father, we were raised in his house. So apartments were not in my DNA. I didn't consider renting an apartment because I was raised in a house. Shack, though it was, it was still our house. And before it became a shack, it used to be a nice house. I just didn't see it. Are you listening to me? So the, the, the deposit into my veins of home ownership came from my daddy. My daddy was a semen finisher, and he had other men working for him. And sometimes they'd be working and, you know, drinking a pint of, you know, MD 2020 of Thunderbird. Some of y'all don't know what that is. And I was a little boy watching them. But I would also watch on Friday how whatever place he was working, they would give him a certain amount of money. And he would start giving some of it to the men that was helping him do the job. Only for me to come to discover that my daddy was a businessman. And my daddy had people working for him. Well, I'm a businessman. 
and I got folks working on my behalf. That didn't just fall out of the sky. That legacy of entrepreneurship was deposited and passed on to me from my father. Oh, Jesus. And so as a little boy, I started making confessions. Sitting on the step, looking up toward heaven. I started saying certain things like, I'm going to own a brick house. And the reason I would say I'm going to own a brick house is because brick houses don't uh, fall or lean to the left or the right. Like the houses I was, grew up around that was made with, uh, with wood. Are you listening to me? And then I would have to walk through an area of the city uh, where they built these new houses. They called it Fair Vista. And then uh, another one was called uh, Something Hills. Uh, I'll think of it later. But, but, but they were just beautiful homes. And not only were they beautiful homes, but they were, I mean, the whole neighborhood. I mean, a, a mass neighborhood of beautiful homes of black people with their lawns cut. So even though I was living on the part of town, the far west end, that they called another name that I don't want to mention today because I know some of them are watching, but on our side of town, they had a name for us. And, 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 and when we would come out of that part of our city to walk to school or wherever, we had to go through these areas. And I saw that people who looked like me, everybody didn't live like this. And so I started saying as a little boy, I'm going to live like, I'm going to get a house like that. I'm going to live like that. I'm going to cut my grass. We didn't have grass. We had weeds. And a path and gardens on both sides of the path. I started making these confessions. And today, I live in a brick house. Today, I have electricity. Today, I don't have to cut wood. Are you listening to me? Because of the confessions that I made during those times that I was with my father, amen, declaring and decreeing how my life was going to be. Let me, let me move on. Let me, let me move on. His love, the father, for his family is revealed through his planning. His planning ahead and making their lives much easier. Uh, one of my sons is here. I'll use him. But where's, where's uh, Jonathan? He's been running. Where's he at? Yeah, come here. Real quick. Uh, a lot of the members haven't seen him. Uh, he's been in the Army for six years. And uh, he stayed, all five of my sons in the military, he stayed in longer than all of us. He said he wanted to finish college before he got out. But I just want to ask a question. Uh, um, growing up as a child, were you ever hungry? I was. Um, did you ever have holes in your shoes? Uh, I did. Um, uh, did you ever have to dig worms out of the ground so you can find something to eat? I did. Mm, interesting. Did you have to go over a bootlegger's house to get water? Mm, I did. Did you have to run sometimes an extension cord from Mr. Hunter's house to your house so you could do something in your house to, to fix something? Did you ever do that? You do none of that. Did the kids ever make fun of you, make fun of you at school because you had holes in your shoes? They didn't. Um, well, your pants kind of high. Is it, it going to rain? It was raining. It was raining. Okay, you came prepared. It's clear. <laughs> so, were you raised in a house with no food? I did. 
Did you ever have to eat spoiled food because that was all to eat? I did. Did you have to sell greens, a mess of greens, through the neighborhood you know, for 25-cent mess of greens uh, uh, or a 50-cent mess of greens selling in the neighborhood so you can make some money? So you, you know, I did. Did you ever roll a tire, car tire, or as your toy around, around your neighborhood playing with you? Yeah, I did. Did you ever ride a, a, a stick horse? I did. Did you ever make a slingshot out of the, out of the tongue of your shoe and, and a, a piece of the rubber from the, from the inner tube of a tire and, and, and a piece of shoestring uh, so you can make a slingshot to use it like, like, a, like a BB gun? I did. Uh, to eat, did you ever learn how to make a box and put a, put a little thing inside the box so that when a wild rabbit would go in it, it would hit the stick and the door would come down and shut the rabbit into the box, the homemade box you made to trap the rabbit so you can kill the rabbit and eat the rabbit? I did. I don't I say that for you to feel sorry. All of that made me something. And I was made that something for him. So the strength that I had to have in the environment that I was in, that strength was not only for my survival, but their survival. Because when I got the strength, I transferred it to them. And so your start was better than my start. Because I gave you a better life than what I received. So that means if you have the right attitude and the right dedication and commitment with the, and, and understand that you should be grateful for the life that you received, then you should work doubly hard to give my grandchildren a better life than we gave you. So when I die and the day will come when I will expire, but know this, when I die, there is something left for you. That's part of my legacy. And it's not only left for you, it's left for the children that you've yet to sire. That's part of my legacy. Now the question becomes, what are you going to do with what I leave left? Are you going to take it and build on it? Or are you going to go out here and squander it and be a fool? Are you going to honor what I've left to you? By building on what I leave to you. By making what I leave to you, making it bigger if the Lord tears for the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth generation. Will you guard my legacy to make sure that anybody from my family whose name is H-O-U-P-E, that they'll never see another day in poverty or lack because of the legacy that I'm leaving behind? Because the debt for poverty, I've already paid it. The debt for being laughed at, I've already paid it. The debt for being at the bottom, I've already paid it. And I've endeavored to live in such a way to leave something to you and your brothers to where you don't have to be at the bottom. You can be at the top.
Are you all listening to me? I only said to you fathers about my life so that you can see that no matter what your life was as a child, if you'll change your mind today and grab a hold of this truth that a good man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. And the only reason I'm going to be able to leave you an inheritance because I worked two jobs at the same time and went to college. I never went to bed and there was no money in my house because a good man can't sleep when the house is broke. How in the world am I going to sleep and there's no house, there was no money in my house? And though I lost my biological father at 17, I thank God for all of the men who stepped into my life and acted like a father figure in my life. And I thank God I had enough sense to receive them. Are you listening to me? And so you don't have the luxury of being cute. You don't have the luxury of wasting your life. Just knowing where your fathers come from should be enough to inspire you to be all that God has ordained for you to be. And I know you don't like standing in the spotlight, but it is what it is. Thank you so much. Give my son a great big God bless you. Remember, fathers, your home is your life but your family is your future. That young man that I, hopefully I said in a nice way for him to go have a seat or wherever he's going, that's my future. That, that was my future. Somebody said, well, what's your future look like? There it is. And I pray to God that I've lived in front of them in such a way that there's something about me that they want to be like. We're in a crisis in this nation. My time is gone. We're in a crisis in our society. Children growing up without a man whose hearts are filled with father's love for them. So many of our children have grown up and now they're grown. Raised in an environment, in a home, without a father or a father figure who had a heart toward them as a love of a father. A father has been called by God to protect. Fathers have been called by God to provide. I learned how to work by watching my daddy work. And I didn't understand why my daddy wouldn't let me lay in bed. You know, in the summertime. I'm like, you know, I got to go to school. Get up. Go out there and pull some weeds. I mean, it used to make me so mad I couldn't say anything. You know, you know back then, back then, back then kids couldn't, couldn't, talk, couldn't talk back to the parents. I'll say it again. Back then, back then, you know, way back then, Kids couldn't talk back to the parents. I mean, you might have thought something, but you didn't say it. And I didn't understand why my daddy 
would make me get up. Yeah, I'm good. You just wanted to get back on the camera. I understand. But I didn't understand why my daddy made me get up. And didn't allow me to, you know, lay around you, you know, in bed 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You know, 12, 12 o'clock. You done laid in bed so long you got tired again. I didn't understand that. I, I didn't understand. And, and then for me to go over to some of my friend's house and knock on the door at 10, 11 o'clock and say, hey, so-and-so there? And, and they, they, no, they, they uh, come back later. They're still asleep. I, I didn't understand. I thought my daddy was, was being harsh and hard. But I realized he was, he was depositing some things into me and, and, and teaching me good work ethics and responsibility. Because a father protects. Uh, a father keeps order. Uh, uh, because of the way my father was, it kept me out of jail. Uh, because uh, being raised by him, uh, it taught me how to do things that I didn't want to do. And things I didn't understand. And back then, I know it's not today, but back then, your parents would tell you things and not explain to you why. You know, back then. I mean, you wanted to know why, but you knew not to ask. You, you, just, you just did it. Uh, a father, ladies, this is why you have to pray for our families and marriages to stay together because fathers are a stabilizing force in a home. And uh, I do know what it's like being raised in a home without a mother, but I do not know what it's like being raised in a home without a father. And I do know, based upon the word of God, that God ordained fathers to be a guide in the home and a protector and an organizer and a stabilizer. And so when, when, when male children and female children grow up in a home without that protector, without that stabilizer, without that provider, sometimes a spirit of perversion particularly will grab the heart of a young boy and he grows up angry and mad and defies any kind of authority figure, particularly if it's another male. Because in reality, he is still mad at his daddy. Because the first father figure in his life who should have told him and demonstrated before him, the heavenly father, amen, denied his responsibilities. But I want to speak to every child who grew up in a home without a physical father, that in spite of not having a physical father, you had a spiritual father. You had the father of fathers, and that's Father God. And your existence is not an accident. And if you'll ever learn that whatever you didn't get as a child, if you'll use it in the right way, it will propel you to greatness. If you want to allow what happened to you to make you bitter, but to make you stronger, the things that you didn't have will be the few that will propel you into your destiny. A few years ago, when I was a young man, just before I went off to Vietnam, Marvin Gaye uh, made an album. It was on CNN a few weeks ago. 
uh, and that album that he made called What's Going On. Uh, when you listen to the whole album, it is just as relevant today as it was in 1971 when it hit, when it hit the market. It has always been and still to this day, it's been my favorite album of all albums. It still speaks to me today and inspires me today to do what I need to do. Uh, one of the songs on the track is called Fathers, Fathers. And I want to close my message by reading some of the lyrics that are on that particular track. There's too many of us missing, fathers. Children really need us. Loving, helping, hugging, and kissing. You know we've got to find a way to stabilize the family here today. Little girls need you to stay. We're talking about fathers and their sons. The daughters need their daddies too. And fathers, your daughter needs you to stay. Boys need a hero. I got a problem, personally, if you ask any one of my sons who their heroes are, and they go to telling you, you know, LeBron James, if, if my name don't come out first, we got a problem. But, but boys need a hero. And if it's not their daddy, they'll find a hero. They'll find a drug dealer. They'll, they'll search out a coach. Are you listening to me? They'll go into bad places looking for a hero. Because little boys need a hero. Little boys need a Superman. And that Superman needs to be their father. He says, who cares enough to show the right way? You know you want to find a way to bring some loving. This is Marvin Gaye every day. Skipping out. Missing out. Don't take a leave from your family. Talk to me so we can see a better and a brighter day. Fathers, you must stay because your very presence in the home makes a difference on every level of all of our lives. On Father's Day, fathers, those of you who have stayed, even when it wasn't easy, we thank God that you stayed. Sometimes you had to drive the long way home. I've been there. But you still went home. Thank you. Thank you. Because being a father is an awesome responsibility. And we thank God for you today that you stepped up to the plate and you swung at the ball and you missed. But thank God you get three times to hit the ball. And maybe today you're at your last strike.
But we stand in faith with, with you that when the ball is thrown at you today like it's being thrown now, that you will throw your shoulders back and hold the bat as far back as you possibly can. And without any personal skill, but trusting on the skill of the Holy Spirit. When you swing this time, it won't be just you swinging the bat, but it'll be the very presence of God guiding your bat to hit that ball. That no matter what you've lost in the past, it's not too late in God. And so I want to ask every person who still have a father in the land of the living, if they're hundreds of miles away or thousands of miles away, and maybe you haven't talked with them in a long time, I'm asking you and charging you today to pick up the phone and give your father a call and tell him that you love him while he still can hear it. And then be spiritually strong enough that if you tell him you love him and he doesn't say it back to you, that it doesn't mess up your day. And so, uh, where's Jonathan again? Yeah, one more time. Quickly. I, I, I greet you and your brothers all the time when I see you, yes? And I greet you with what? A hug and a kiss. And the reason I greet my sons since the time they were born with a hug and a kiss because my father grew up in an era where it's showing they thought any kind of affection was a, a lack of manhood, a, a lack of strength. And what I've come to discover personally, just like a daughter needs to be kissed, so does a son. Just like a daughter needs to be hugged, so does a son. And so those things that I didn't get that I knew were important and essential, I wanted to add to the legacy. And so my daddy never kissed me, but I kissed my sons every time I see them. My daddy never told me, I never heard it come out of his mouth into my ears that he loved me. I never heard my father say, Stevie, I love you. But I knew he did. Why? Because he stayed. But I also grew up knowing and experiencing and coming to discover the importance of hearing the being expressed, son, that I love you. So that's why I have said from the time you were born and your brothers that I love you because I realized that needed to be added to the legacy. That to hug your son is not a lack of strength, but it is strength. That's the way you pass on your strength. I kiss my son so that they will know and understand and feel what it feels like to be embraced in the right way from the same sex. So if they ever encounter something that's foreign, they'll know the difference. So that if some preacher or some youth pastor or some leader in the church 
try to embrace them in a place where nobody can see but them if they put their hands on them in such a way that does not remind them of the way I embrace them. They'll, they'll, know, they'll know the difference. And so fathers, I pray that you have a blessed Father's Day. I hope that you'll receive something that typically only is given on Mother's Day, and that's cards of expression. They sell a whole lot of cards on Mother's Day, and uh, hallelujah. But the devil is a lie. There are a lot of good fathers. There are a lot of fathers who love their family, love their children. There are a lot of fathers who didn't leave that are still there. There are a lot of fathers that love their children's mama. There's a lot of fathers who have provided for their families that work night and day, 20 hours a day sometimes, to take care of their families. And CNN and ABC doesn't put the camera particularly on African-American fathers who stay. They always want to show the dark side. But I stand here today and say that the lighter side is much brighter and is much more enormous than the dark side. And so today, we celebrate fathers. Happy, happy Father's Day. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, Join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.